Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. So this morning we're going to talk about the temple of God, and I want to try and apply that to uh, what I believe God is doing amongst us here as Church Central North in North Birmingham. Chris, can I just ask you to turn that off? I just turned it off. <laughs> well, that, that's my PowerPoint today. Uh, yeah, it's not. I don't have a PowerPoint, I'm afraid. I was far too unorganised. Uh, so if you've got a Bible or you've got a phone that has a Bible on it, you may want to try and find uh, a passage. Uh, we're looking at the book of Ezra this morning. It's in the Old Testament. It's after Kings and before Psalms. So I'll give you a bit of a... Don't worry. Um, yeah, I do mark. It doesn't matter if it's blue. So we're going to look at Ezra chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. There may be a little heading in your Bible which says something about rebuilding the temple. You might see little headings in the Bible. It gives you a bit of a clear, clearer idea of what's going on. So we're going to do a quick bit of um, biblical history, and I need a few volunteers. Uh, so can I have Dave, James and Mark? Can you come, come up the front? Come up the front with me. Uh, so... <clears throat> we just want to understand a little bit about where we find ourselves in, the, in God's big story in the Bible. We're going to do a bit of a role play, a bit of acting. Up for that? Mark, you're going to stand that end. James, you're going to stay in the middle. And Dave, you're going to be uh, first. So, uh, in the time, in the Old Testament, there's that, God's big story has like this big sort of journey from Adam and Eve and it goes all the way through uh, to Jesus. But we're looking at this bit where, do you remember David, David and Goliath? David becomes king, handsome as ever, handsome David, and uh, David is the, like, I mean, Pete, like the Israelites would have looked at David and thought, this is it, the golden era of God's kingdom. So this is it, this is where, you know, everything is going exactly how we want it to go. David has a son, Solomon, and Solomon's the wisest of all, and he builds God's temple. Uh, and so this is where we, we start to see a kind of physical place where God's people can encounter, go and meet God, so well done, David. You've had a son. Uh, but what happens is your sons and their sons, with a few exceptions, basically, they all kind of start messing up big time. Okay. Uh, and, um, and in fact, they mess up so much so that God raises up this king called Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. These are bad news. Don't mess with these guys. Nebuchadnezzar comes, bonks, kills all the people. You've got to bonk him, and then you kill him. So, right, now you are the uh, Israelites. You've got, to, you've got to go away. Your temple has been crushed to the ground. Sorry about that. Uh, and then, uh, so you've got this guy. Remember the story of Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den? Uh, this, was, this was in this era, it was the Babylonian era, and uh, this, this king had a dream about this other empire that's going to come and take over from him. Uh, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't a nice guy at all. Uh, and then uh, what happens is God lets him conquer the Israelites, uh, but not for long, because then along comes 50 years later the Persian king who then kills the Babylonians. And at this point, the Babylonians, who we thought were complete tyrants and bad news, God puts them to, to nothing, never to bother God's people ever again. And uh, then we've got this, this king of Persia. He's not, uh, not he's on the face of it, he's not as bad as Nebuchadnezzar. He he's not into kind of smashing up temples. He's quite happy to let God's people go back. So you've got to sort of send, send Dave and his, his right to say, you can go back now, go back to Jerusalem, you can start rebuilding your temple. You still, you've got to ask him for your taxes though, because uh, you're still in charge in a way. 
Okay, thanks. That's fine. So, so that, there's a little bit of context. Do you understand where we are? So we've gone from David through to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian Empire. Persians are in control, but they've sent the Israelites back. And they said, listen, we're still in charge, but you can go back and build your temple, worship your God. They all believed in different gods, and they were quite happy for the Israelites to go back on the basis that they're going to keep paying them. So the Israelites have to go back in this sort of weird season where it's like, we're still kind of giving our land back, but we're still under a bit of oppression. It's not, it's not quite exactly how it should be. It's definitely not David time, where it's like, we're going to conquer and take over the place, and God's great and will bless the world. So that's kind of a little snapshot of where we're at. So, they've been offered this lifeline by going to rebuild the temple. And I'm going to read now Ezra 3, verses 7. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters. This is about them rebuilding the temple of God, the important, you know, the main priority. They gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa, as authorised by King Cyrus uh, of Persia. In the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatel, Joshua, son of Jozadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who'd returned from captivity to Jerusalem, began the work. They appointed Levites, 20 years old and older, to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons and his brothers, and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodavah, and the sons of Henadad and, the, and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by King David of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who'd seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping. People made so much noise, the sound was heard far away. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? We've come out of lockdown a couple of years now of things being a bit more restricted and difficult. This is half a century of God's chosen people, and they're finally coming home. I remember that moment when we were here, able to worship God together after having to do it on Zoom for so long. It was like a breath of fresh air. Imagine that times a hundred. That's kind of the tone of what we're going for here. This is why it's a big deal. It's like a massive season of lockdown these guys have been in. The children that were originally taken to exile were five years old. They've now got grandchildren of their own that have never seen this promised land that God had given them. And they walk their grandchildren and say, look, this is the land that God gave us. We're back. This is a big deal. You can imagine with tears in their eyes, just expressing how, much, how significant that was for them. So the first year they spend sort of planning, figuring out what they need to do. And in the second year, which is where we are, second year back, it wasn't the whole of the Israelites, only a portion of them came back uh, at this point. 
But those that came back, they planned, and the first, one of the first things they did was they built an altar, sacrificed to God, said, listen, we're going to make God this number one thing. Because we recognised it was when we didn't put God first that things started to go wrong. And God raised up these puppet kings to take over for a season. Interesting side note, Persians didn't last that much longer either. Because along came the Greeks, and then along came the Romans. And where are they all now? Thanks, Dave. (laughs) The temple is significant. Zerubbabel and the families involved, they were in no doubt. Building the temple was a number one priority for them. See, the temple isn't just another building. We talk about God's temple. It's not just a physical building. It symbolised the dwelling place of God. It's a place of holiness, a place where the creator engages with his created, the people. The temple is where you went to encounter God. It symbolises as well the commitment that God has towards his people. It's a place where God fixes our stuff-ups and our mistakes. It's a place where forgiveness is given. The temple is a big deal. So this opportunity to rebuild the temple, it was a statement. God is back in business. We're back in the land. We're building the temple. Things seem to be going in the right direction. And throughout the Bible, we see this pattern of of God's heart to meet with his people. The first time we see it is in the Garden of Eden. God is walking with Adam in Eden, which is a bit like a temple. It's, It's like the presence of God is with his created beings. And we see it as God gives this promised land of Canaan. He says, this, this is the land I'm, I'm going I'm to bless the world through what you do here in this area. And I imagine if you've been stuck in a type of lockdown or exile for a long time, it must be hard to not think, is it finished? Is God's plans finished? Is he finished with us? What's going on? But when you take a foot back into the land, you must be thinking, ah, the story's not over. And that's where, this is why it's a big deal. So, they got their priorities right, they built the temple first. You know, sadly, this, this physical this temple, it was like a bricks and mortar, it wasn't like just sort of a sort of whiffy sort of bit of air. It was like, actually, we're going to build a temple, we're going to put the Ark of the Covenant, which is like the dwelling place of God, into this building, and everyone can come here and they can see this glorious thing. And some people, in the past, we talked about, they wept, because actually it wasn't quite as good as it was before. And there's a sadness to that, because they recognise the temple should represent this powerful, almighty, amazing God. And it just didn't feel right to them. And I think that's not a bad thing, actually, at times, to recognise, oh, God, I want more. I want you to be bigger. I want you to be better. And that's okay. And for others to recognise, yes, this is really good. I've never seen a temple before, so absolutely. You know, wind the clock forward to Jesus' time. That, that temple, the foundations that Zerubbabel that we've just read about, is still there in Jerusalem. In Jesus' time. It had a bit of a revamp, but uh, in John 2, 12, people are asking Jesus to prove kind of who he is. Like, give us some evidence about who you are. And he says, um, oh no, sorry. It says, Jesus answered, destroy this temple. In three days, I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Actually, it took a lot longer than that, but they did a bit of a revamp 46 years before. You're going to raise it up in three days. Jesus wasn't talking about the temple, uh, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered uh, that he'd said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus building this again in three days. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the place where people can come. I'm going to be this new temple. 
where people can have fellowship with God. In Matthew 12, 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. Authentic worship, being part of God's kingdom, is not about bricks and mortar. It's not about being in, in a room together. It's about us carrying the presence of God with us as a community of believers. Jesus is saying, I'm the new temple. When I raise my body from the dead, everywhere in all the world, people are going to be able to come to God through me. There'll be no pilgrimage to Jerusalem or to Mecca. It's going to be a movement for, to, the, to the heart from all the stuff that there is in the world around us. The things we put our hope in. It's going to change that and draw us to him. But actually, in the New Testament, it goes even further still. New Testament writers continue to use this temple language. They're no longer concerned about uh, buildings. Uh, they talk about the, the temple being the people of God together. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Everyone heard that before? Whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. At face value, I think, to be honest, I've always heard this as, I need to look after my body, like my physical body. I need to look after myself. But the you that it's talking about there is not an individual you, Doreen. Do you know what I mean? It's a you. You as the church are the temple of God, the body. And that's really significant, I think. And so to apply that to us today, there's a communal aspect to being part of God's temple. It's not about us individually making some good choices or struggling with our own sin and our own problems. There's something about the beauty of the temple of God that's manifest or that is expressed when we all gather together to worship God. There's teamwork involved. There's cooperation involved. So making that specific to us, we need each and every one of us to, to play our part. The whole point of what I'm saying is, interesting. the temple is no longer a fixed place. We're to be mobile. One of the reasons Church Central North exists is because originally the plan was, let's try and build a church where people in Birmingham can all come to the centre and we'll have a big sort of, like, big, big hub church with a few hundred people. Actually, what we really felt God saying was, no, no, don't expect people to come to you. I'll put the temple in your heart. Go to the people. And that's why we're here in North Birmingham, in King Standard. So you and I are called to be a mobile temple, a God-carrying machine that's going into our workplaces, into our homes, our friends, our families, our neighbours. We take the presence of God with us everywhere we go. And let's never underestimate that. But basically you're saying where the church is, where you are. Exactly. Exactly, Dave. Yeah. But everyone who puts their trust in Jesus... They are, they are part of God's church, and wherever they go, God in them goes with them. It's wonderful, it's good. In the Ezra story, we saw no sense of self or pride. With all those lists of names of people with different jobs, you've got carpenters, masons, people that have to orchestrate getting huge chunks of tree from Lebanon all the way down to Jerusalem. That's not an easy thing. Especially in those days, no lorries to do that. I mean, you've got people that have to kind of know the best routes, know about 
weather, all that sort of stuff. There's, there's, and it might seem so insignificant. I think, just imagine that was your job. You were in charge of, oh, I've got to bring the, the cedar logs. And by boat as well, by the way, so I have to know about like sea and how to not sink the boat that's carrying loads of stuff. Like, I think that's it. it's like, I imagine the heart of that, and the attitude of these people was not, oh, I've got the sea job. <laughs> The heart of those people is like, yes, I get to do so. I've got a part. I know about the sea. I'll do that. Great. And that's the sort of attitude that these guys are rebuilding the temple. It's, yeah, well, of course I'm going to do this. I've got something to do. I've got something to contribute. I think God's mission for the church is not to be done out of sort of frustration or a sense of duty. It's not like they had a pastor whipping them and saying, well, you need to do the boring jobs first. Sometimes those hard jobs have to happen. One of the main things that we see in the heart of these guys reading the temple was a, was a heart and an attitude of thankfulness. I get to be involved in God's plan. Wonderful. I don't think they were moaning about which particular job they had, but God used them in their own giftings and their own skills. And I think that's exactly what God wants to do here, Church Central North. I'd love it if we were at a point where we could all do the thing that we're specifically gifted at. I'll be really honest, at the moment, we're not there. <laughs> We need more people to do that, to get to that point. And so we need to carry some of those jobs that maybe we're not particularly great at. Because there's a sense of us doing things together. I do think one of the things that I felt quite strongly about was that we kind of get out of this sort of physical temple mentality this year. This idea that we turn up on a Sunday and you know, try and, or try and make stuff happen uh, when we're able to. But we're a mobile temple of God and we carry it with us in our workplaces. If we think of church as this sort of stagnant temple with brick and mortar and walls, I, I just think we're going to get stuck. I, d- I, don't, think, I don't think that's good how God wants, wants us to go into this year. I think God wants us to go into this year recognising actually we all carry the Spirit of God in us and let's go into this year with thankfulness thank you god you haven't abandoned us thank you that we're able to meet here this morning it was touch and go at one point wasn't it like we thought we may not be meeting today we take those blessings and those opportunities so a little bit i've got distracted but anyway let's crack on last little thing a little bit about what 2020 might look like for us i hope you get the, the picture building the temple is a big deal this is a big deal, what God has got for us. There's an opportunity right now in North Birmingham, this small rabble bunch that we are, to make a difference. Yes. To worship God. So a few practical things that I'm, I'm praying for and believing for this year. Number one is an increase in a participating people. This camaraderie that we've seen with Zerubbabel and, the, and those Israelites coming back, our first remnant coming back. This sense of, we're together, we're on that mission for God. Together, we help and support each other. When our backs are hurting, we come alongside and we lift each other up. When we've got a bit more energy than our brother or our sister, we, we come alongside and help. We don't have this attitude of being carried by everyone else. We have an attitude of, I want to help. We're participating people who understand our unique and specific roles and giftings, just like the Israelite masons and the carpenters. 
And if you want some specifics on what that could look like right now, there's some jobs that are needed in Church Central North. Uh, and we don't have the masons and the carpenters, we've just got who we are. This is us. We are in this together. Our serving teams on a Sunday, I know it's not about Sunday, and we're not building this temple thing for a Sunday, but one of the things that we want to really prioritise in who we are is a place to be able to corporately come together and worship. I think if lockdown has taught us anything globally, is that actually people think, oh, I can do it on my own, actually. It's easier to log on to something. I just don't think that's God's plan at all. I think there's something spiritually really important about being in a room together, proclaiming the goodness of God together. Amen. And let's never abandon that. To make that happen, there are some practical things that have to happen. We need more people to welcome people at the door. We need our welcome team to grow. We need our worship team to grow. I'm really encouraged. Great having Laurie singing with us at Christmas. Luke Brown started playing the bass. A few, I know there's a few others that probably play instruments. If you are a worshipper uh, and can hold a note and can sort of do things, come and speak to me. We want to want to have more people. I honestly, I don't want to have to be doing this every week. Not that I don't enjoy doing it. Don't hear me. Don't get that wrong. It's not about one person doing all of this work. It's about all of us doing stuff together. Kids work. Me and Zoe and James are the kids work leaders in this church. We need more kids work uh, people to help do that. I don't want our kids just to sort of have to sit in. We're going to talk a little bit in a minute about how we want to sort of frame things up. It's practice brick by brick. That these things aren't just sort of abstract things. That I'm not really interested in that. If we want to build this temple of God together, we have to get our hands dirty. We have to do stuff. It's practical things. It's not this fluffy stuff. It's like oh, I'm building the temple of God by this thing. No, no, like, let's sign up to a rover and get here on time to set up. That's good. This is a good thing. Tech team, Mark stepped in this morning. What a good way. What a really good picture of people helping to build the temple of God. I've never done it before, Chris, but I'll give it a go. Fantastic. Thanks, Mark. Love it. And now we can train you up and get you on a road. <laughs> like, these are just stuff for Sundays. There's so many more. I love Luke and Charlie's heart. At the start of last term, we're all open our house on a Wednesday morning. Fantastic. Be the temple of God. Invite people to experience God in their homes. It's not just about Sunday, but it's other stuff to do. Do you know what? Never done it before. Mark did this again. Led life group a few times last term. I've never done it before. Why don't you consider? What? Do you know what? I'm up for leading a life group. I don't have all the answers. You don't need to have all the answers. But you just need to facilitate. Be hospitable. Maybe that's your gift. Use it the best of your ability. We don't want to be a community that wants to carry people and absorb and just suck from the church. We want to be giving to the temple that God is building here. So that's number one, participating people. Second thing, we want to be a penetrating people in 2022. Leading missional lifestyles. Recognise, you know, the most powerful witness, I think. We are a charismatic evangelical church. That's some weird words for some of you. I appreciate that. Charismatic means we believe in the spirit of God coming and dwelling within us and giving us gifts and expressing some of the attitude and life and energy of God in our everyday. Uh, So we see that sometimes where James will bring a prophetic word in worship because God's alive and right now speaking to us. We want that in our everyday interactions with those around us. Missional 
being that we believe that it's God's plan to tell other people about the wonderful gospel of Christ. It's not something that we just keep stored in our nice little holes and maybe someone walks into that hole and finds out about it, which is great. We don't want to be that. We want to be going out to the nations, just as Jesus instructs us to. Practically, we're going to be putting on a few missional events this year. We've always done kind of Easter and Christmas as our big ones. But every, every month, the last Sunday of every month, we're going to be doing an all-age service now. Uh, and so we're going to have the kids in here. We're going to have some fun, some games. It's going to be brilliant. We're going to go through God's big story. So right from Eden uh, to Revelation-ish is the plan over the next 12. I'm going to kind of stretch it to maybe 13 or 14 months. But the plan is that by the end of this time next year, we'll have a nice big broad sweep of understanding of, of what, the, what the Bible story is. And our kids will understand that. So we're going to try and use language that's really simple. We'll also be going to bring and share lunches on those days. And the aim is that we can have specific Sundays that's the kind of maybe an easier invite to, to friends that just want to, maybe they've got families and, and things like that and they want to bring them all in. It's going to be a bit messy. It's going to be a bit North church into north style but that's good i'm looking forward to it so that's going to happen the last sunday of every month uh, as a kind of more deliberate angle of come on in come and experience the presence of god as a temple together um and lastly of providing people i'm still believing that uh we'll find a, a building this has served us really well here but just practically we want a building not just so that we can worship in it and have it on a Sunday between nine and one. I really believe in God for a building so that we can be a blessing yeah. to this part of the city, yeah. that we can feed the poor, that we can help the lonely. So we, we're no, not particularly any further along with that, just to sort of put my hand up and say that, but I'm still trusting God. We've been here for nine years now, and we need to find a place of our own. I think it's, I think there's a, almost a prophetic sense of actually it's time for us to have a home and not just live as sojourners or kind of letting letting out a place. I think there's something about, no, no, we own this. There's going to be expense involved in that. I've never done it before. You'll all probably have questions about that and I will not have the answers. But there's something about a kind of a, a stake in the ground saying, no, no, God, we're here to serve you. We believe you've called us here for a purpose. And that is one practical thing that, are, that I'm praying for. Uh, so there you go, three things. Um, participating people, penetrating people, and providing people. So yes, we'll worship, but let's train up new leaders. As a church, we want to we not just be, keep this thing growing until it's sort of massive. Actually, what we want, just so everyone's really clear, is we want to get to about uh, between 70 to 100 people here. And when that happens, we're going to be going, right, where's next? Where does God want to send us next? Because the communities in North Birmingham tend to be a little bit more isolated than maybe like the city centre where everyone kind of tends to come to. So we're thinking, oh God, where do you want us next? And we're already starting to think that through. But in order for that to ever happen, we need to raise up more leaders. We need more worship team, we need more tech team. Hence, these are not small things. These are building blocks that God is putting in place.